time, 10.30, as we celebrate the risen Jesus. Amen? And we look forward to that. His death on the cross is meaningless without him rising from the grave. So we're excited about that. But so many good things to talk about today. Just pray again and ask the Lord to bless our time. So Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, just speak into our lives. Just remind us, wash us with your truth. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm not a big fan of necessarily teaching on Good Friday and Easter Sunday because as a preacher or a pastor, you're always looking for creative ways to say something. And I was just telling Robert in the back there, there really isn't a creative way to speak about what Jesus has done. Amen? We just need to think on what the Word of God says, and I certainly don't need to add or take away anything from it. And so I'm excited just to tell, talk a little bit about the story, and then we can just respond. But in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, just going to read a few verses to you, starting in verse 17 of the Gospel of John, where it says, And he, being Jesus, Bearing his cross, went out to a place called the Place of the Skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him. And two others were with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and in the writing it was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts, each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her to his own home. Verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. 
story we know all too well and one we celebrate today for all that Jesus has done. I remember as a kid watching the movies, usually at some point during Easter week, and getting so angry. Jesus, why don't you knock them out? I couldn't stand the fact that he let others beat him and push him around and that he would even die. It wasn't as a a young child in my thinking that my superhero should die. But we know that's truly what made him our hero. That he gave his life and he didn't fight back. This week, as I was thinking, the first part of my reading came to mind, and one I haven't thought of that often, maybe you have, but it says in John 18, when they crucified him, two others were with him, one on either side, and Jesus was in the center. Two criminals, Mark would say robbers, I think that's the word he uses. Don't know exactly what they did, but probably it wasn't good. But as I thought of that little phrase, he was in the center. He was in the center. And I guess my heart for this morning, and maybe every day, but specifically this morning, is that Jesus truly would be in the center of your thoughts. Often our days get busy, our weeks get busy, our years get busy, and we forget the majesty, we forget the awesomeness of what Christ has done for us. The older I get, the more I'm realizing, the less I think about myself, the better. And the more I can think of Jesus, even better, better. Truly, He does need to be the center of our thoughts, And all our actions need to flow out from that. It's interesting when you look in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 23, and I'll turn there, it gives us a little more idea about these two, and you know the story of maybe things that they said or didn't say. It says this in verse 39 of Luke 23, then one of the criminals who was hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. And I thought, how true that is to how I behave sometimes. Jesus, why don't you save yourself in this situation? Why don't you show yourself to be who you say? But the motivation was really, as you read the sentence, not only that you'll save yourself, but you'll save me too. Why don't you save yourself and save me? If, if you're really God and He's blaspheming Him, even as the scribes and the Pharisees did, well, if you're really God, save yourself. Almost like me as a child watching the movies. This is not who I want you to be, God. You're supposed to be something more miraculous. But obviously, as a child, I'm thinking I don't want my hero to be beaten because then he's not strong enough. Here, and I think this criminal is saying, well, really, I only care about myself, so why don't you show yourself to be God so you can save me? 
And sometimes that's how we look at Jesus. We're so selfish. It's all about us. Like, God, save me, save me, help me, save me. We're not looking at Him. And obviously Jesus does save us. But truly, He is the center. And it's all about Him. The other criminal responds and answers and rebukes the one on the other side and says, Do you not even fear God, seeing you under, are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Corrects him, rebukes him. Interesting, we deserve to be on this cross, he says. Jesus doesn't. What a tremendous theological principle he's giving and he doesn't even know it. You see, Jesus was perfect. Absolutely no sin. Didn't deserve to be there. Those two guys did. And me and you are probably the ones who deserve to be on the left and the right of Jesus. We are sinners. There is no one perfect in this room. The Bible say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there is a tremendous penalty of sin. And no good work can get you out of it. And truly, what we deserve is death because we are sinners. But Jesus didn't deserve to be there. Jesus was perfect. And this criminal, this robber, he knew that. And he said, don't you fear God? Don't you fear this one beside you? How can you blaspheme and think of yourself in this moment? This man truly has done nothing wrong. It's interesting, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verse 28, it says, Scripture is fulfilled with these two thieves beside Jesus. Because it says that he was numbered with the transgressors. And that's a direct quote from Isaiah 53, where it specifically says in prophecy that Jesus, this one, would be numbered with the transgressors. He would be killed with the people like you and me. But the reality is, the next line is crucial. He bore the sin of many, Isaiah says in that same chapter, that same section, that same verse. He was numbered as a sinner. But yet, because He was perfect, who was He there for? He was there for you and me and all humanity and history. And He bore the sin of many and He made intercessor for the transgressor. We're the transgressor. He was making intercession for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 makes it clear. God, He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You see, we deserve to be on the left and the right. But Jesus, in the center of it all, took our sin, our penalty. There's nothing we could have done. And yet He bore and He intercedes. And even today, the Word of God would say He's interceding for us. 
And you might come into this place thinking of your sin and all that you failed in, but the truth today is Jesus has made intercession for your sin by being in the center of all the transgressors. Truly, He is the center of it all. I feel in my head, I've heard this a thousand, well, let's jack that up a little bit. If you've grown up in the church like me, multiple, multiple times. And even thinking of this, I know there's some of you that this is not new to. Obviously, you've heard it in your head. You know it in your head. You know that Jesus needs to be the center. You know that He is the center. You know that His death and His resurrection completely changes everything. You know that your sin is gone and you now hold His righteousness. But the reality is today and every day we want to move it from our head to our heart. We want to understand the truth of who He is. And that we are one of the transgressors. And we deserve to be on one of the crosses. But Jesus took our place. He fulfilled Scripture. He paid the price. He interceded for you and for me. And today... We celebrate. We're not here for routine. We're not here for a little agape. Hopefully not. You're here to celebrate that you are washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. It is not an intellectual thought. It is a whole mind, emotion, Spirit thought. It is one that changes you forever to know that every evil thing you've ever done, are doing, and will do is forgiven by Jesus Christ. You are free because of what he did. And that's what we celebrate today. Yesterday, we had our 24 hours of prayer at the prayer house, and I was so excited to see many churches involved and many people go into that room. And for the most part, every hour was fulfilled, and at least I know when I was there, there wasn't a moment, but maybe 10 minutes when I got into vacuum it, that it wasn't full of people praying. And it came my turn in the afternoon, and a friend of mine had switched, and this friend of mine brought a friend who had never been to church, doesn't really know anything about church, but wanted to pray. So we all went in the prayer room together, and he wasn't really sure what this was all about. But as we began to pray, and I prayed, and my friend prayed, and even this one prayed, confessed that he believed in Jesus, began to pray for those he loved. It was such a, a sweet moment to see this one who... I don't know, in years hasn't done the door of a church and it didn't matter. But yet was there praying and asking God to move. And as we did pray, there were some thoughts that came to my mind and I didn't know why at the time, but I just saw the color red. I just saw the color red and I said, you know, I don't know why, but 
I just have to say red. I just have to say red. And as we prayed and thought about that, and I thought about that, especially on this day, the color red and what it means to us. That the blood that was spilt for us says cleanses us and justifies us. And as I carried on as they left, and I, I spent more time in the prayer room and was worshiping the Lord, just the thought came to me so clearly that this morning as we think of Jesus being the center, that we truly have to wash ourselves in Him. We need to wash ourselves in His red blood. How do we do that? Well, you see, you need to wash yourself in forgiveness. You need to take a bath in the truth of what Jesus has done for you because every day you dirty yourself up with sin in some way and you have to come back to the truth. You have to come back to the truth and wash yourself in that truth of knowing His blood justifies me. His work on the cross on Good Friday changes me. And I need to wash in that daily. As much as I need to take a bath to cleanse myself of the dirt that I pick up each day or each week, I spiritually need to take a bath and wash myself in the blood of Christ. This morning, you need to wash the truth over you that you are forgiven, that you are loved, that His mercy covers you. That His grace is for you. That His grace is sufficient. It is enough today. Truly, He is the center. And He needs to wash us this morning and cleanse us. I see way too many people who carry shame in their lives. They walk around with guilt. They walk broken because that's what sin does. But oh, they could be free today because Jesus cleanses and washes the shame and the guilt right away. You were crucified with Christ. And you are alive. And you are clean. And you are free today. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, greater that you can celebrate. Nothing. The joy of forgiveness. I think the more I do church, the more I'm learning that church ought to be something where we participate a little and not just listen. So I want to lead you through a prayer and I want you in your heart to be praying and I want you to interact with God while I pray. You might find this strange, but you're not here to listen to me. You know that? You're not here to listen to the music. You're here to have an experience with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why you're here. When we leave, it's not about how good or bad things were, the food. It's about what we experience in Jesus Christ. So if you pray with me, Lord Jesus, we just want to spend time thinking on You, experiencing 
you. I would ask you now, just confession is such a good thing. Confess to the Lord. The Word of God says that He is faithful and just to forgive us when we confess our sins. It's washing ourselves in the truth. So I pray now you would allow the Holy Spirit to examine your heart. Help Him to show you the things that you need to silently confess to Jesus. Holy Spirit, seek and search our heart. Give that sin, just understand now that's what he died for. Psalm 51 says this, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Cast me not away from your presence. The promise that we have in Scripture because of Jesus Christ is that He has created, that you are white as snow as you believe and trust in Jesus Christ. You are white as snow. This morning, I don't know if everyone knows Jesus as we've done that. But I don't want to tell you, you have a choice to be the first criminal who blasphemed and is just looking out for self. Or you have a choice to be the second criminal who said, remember me. Remember me, Jesus. I think every day we have a choice. Simply say to Jesus, remember me, or we can blaspheme him. Jesus say, today, forgiven. Amen? I just want to spend a few minutes now thanking God for sending Jesus. And thanking Jesus for coming. Maybe there'd be some who would pray out just giving thanks for Jesus this morning.